Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I'm Gary O'Reilly. I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing, Playing with, with Science. Science. This is part two of our look at the fast and furious world of ice hockey. Part one, we lead up the net with the science of the shot and stick engineering. And today we punch through even deeper into the science of the fastest and toughest sport there is. Yeah, and helping us with the slippery subject of physics on ice, we'll welcome back physics professor Alan Hachet, who's also the author of Slapshot Science and the Physics of Hockey. Alan is going to help us understand just how much force it's going to take to flatten your opponent against those boards. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> and who's not, who's not going to want to know that, okay? I'll tell you who. Me, we're even going to throw in the science behind the ice itself. Yeah. No extra charge. There you go. Lucky you. Once we've done that, we'll be chatting once again with our good friend and VP of product at Bauer Hockey, Craig Desjardins. Only this time, we're going to focus on the tech in the skates themselves. Yeah. And finally, we're going to hear from the captain of the New York Riveters, a mechanical engineer and a shutdown defenseman who's not a man at all. We're talking about Ashley Johnston. I I love this woman. This woman is a hero of mine. I'm sorry, people. Uh, She's into STEM. She is an athlete. She is the captain of her team. Uh, This is going to be a great show. She's an inspiration. So stay tuned. Just like the ice, it's pretty cool stuff. So last show, we got into the tech with the stick. Right. Really opened it up. Learned a lot about that. Professor... Gave us what was going on in the slap shot, the pass, everything else around it. Now we're going to get into the skates, and there's some real cutting edge stuff regarding. Ah, I see what you did there. Did you? Did you see that? Thank you very much. Skates, cutting edge stuff. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Don't just throw this show together, you know. So (laughs) we've got that. Plus, as as we said there, the professor's going to give us an insight into collision. Yeah. And we know it's not a contact sport. Hockey is a collision sport. Gosh, you have said a mouthful there, man, because I got to tell you something. I look at these collisions and um, the last collision that I watched um, and I spent some time because I wanted to find a clip for us to get into the show with. So I've been watching like hockey collisions for two days now, and I am pretty sure I have a concussion just from watching this is insane. These guys are crazy. Some of the biggest hits I have ever seen, and I'm a huge football fan. Mm-hmm. I love when guys level each other on the playing field of football. These dudes, it looks personal. I'm waiting for the guy to start going through his pockets and take his money the way they lay these guys out. It is insane. I feel just a little bit less of a man, Gary. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It, right. it kind of hurts. I think I'm going to take up gardening. Ah, oh, dear. 
Okay. It's quite simple. It's not a sport for the faint-hearted. You're going to have to be brave. You're going to have to be tough. And it's probably why they wear padding. Um, all right. While Chuck recovers. Judging from let's my last, judging from my last statements, I too wear a pad. <laughs> oh, no. Too much information. <laughs> too far. All right. Let's too get far. that piece of audio now. <laughs> So we're going to take a look at Scott Stevens of the New Jersey Devils, Mm -hmm. who is known to be one of the hardest hitting players in NHL history. This guy is a beast. But what is scary is that in this particular clip, uh, as they cross the blue line, Slava Kozlov is in front of the net and he has a shot on goal. Right. Now, of course, Stevens is a defenseman. And so he's like, my job is to make sure you don't even take the shot. That's what he and does. And so what he does is he comes across ice and wham, he levels this guy. And when I say level him, I mean, not only does Kozlov collapse like a cheap card table, but he is knocked out. I mean, knocked out cold. Okay, but before we run the clip, I have to say, when we come back, Chuck will be behind the desk, worried. No, worried. Forget worried. (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now. It's okay. I watched this, and I felt a little bit of my manhood drain out of me. I was like, this is not cool, man. You're going to take up gardening? I'm taking up gardening now. (laughs) This is not like this. Not, this should not be legal. This is a sport where a guy can come across the ice, hit you in such a way that it's clean and legal, knock you out. And people come over to him and go, yo, man, that was awesome. But everybody plays by the same rules. So that's why hockey is such a popular sport. All right. Well, let's take a look at Scott Stevens in action. Detroit back in. Oh, Stevens stepped up, nailed him. Rodriguez got the puck. What a shot. Is that Rouse? Oh, lights out. Oh, no, that is Kozlov. Oh, baby. The one guy in this league. Oh, I'm telling you, Victor Kozlov does not look like he is with us right now. What a smack. Scott Stevens, if you ask players around the league, who's got the hardest hit? Here's your answer. Do <laughs> you see what he does before he makes contact? Stick goes down. Stick goes because down. Otherwise, sticks up. He's out. Well, of yeah. It. Now that's a penalty. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean, uh, woo. So quite often the guys will anticipate the fact that if I'm near the puck, I'm getting hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your, your natural spider senses kick in. Right. But he never saw that coming. Yeah, well, you know, it's so funny. He was so. Um, so focused on about on he was so focused on taking the shot he was about to make a shot and he really had a nice shot on goal and never never happened so let's bring in now oh, somebody who can hopefully help me okay all right while chuck takes a deep breath i will introduce Someone we are familiar with from our first show, Professor Alan Hache from Moncton University in Canada, yes. author of Slapshot Science and the Physics of Ice Hockey. Alan, welcome back. You saw that clip. Oh. Are you in the, yeah, that's what happens, school, or are you with Chuck? Yeah, that's not a pleasant uh, experience, I'm sure, for uh, Kozlov there. Oh, thanks for the overstatement there, Dr. Uh, Hache. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Way to get in there with a controversial statement. (laughs) So, okay, I mean, there's there's different types of collisions in the game or sport of, of hockey. Now, 
I can see a guy, a big guy hit a smaller guy and the big guy bounces off. Mm. Now, I'm looking at that saying, I don't quite understand what happened there, but there must be some basic laws of physics that means that actually can happen. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, when you look at a collision, the force on each player or each body that collide is always the same. That's called action-reaction. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's always the same force, except that if you're a lighter body, you'll accelerate much more faster. So you'll, you'll suffer a, a bigger uh, displacement or, or All right. you know, if you have a small car against a truck, they'll experience the same force. But because the truck is much heavier, the guy inside will not notice as much. So, so yeah, if, if the smaller guy is going faster than the, the bigger guy, then, you know, you might have a chance to knock him over. But, uh, the, yes, indeed, there are different types of collisions. The mid-ice collisions that we saw mm-hmm. um, uh, with uh, Scott Stevens are, are fairly rare. They're dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Uh, most collisions happen uh, along the board. Right. So when, when you have an almost stationary player against the board and then the other guy comes... And then you have this uh, absorption by the, the board because the boards will tend to move a little bit. So you will not suffer as much uh, impact. So now are you saying that uh, from a standpoint of physics, when a player is up against the boards and you hear that crash and you hear the sound of the board making the thunderous kind of warble, uh, that the board itself is acting as a shock absorber for the one player hitting the other player? Yes. So, so the the bigger the distance, okay, oh. the smaller the force. Okay. Okay. So actually, being hit against the boards is better. I, I like the idea. It's, it's safer. It's safer because I know where it's my safer. position is. I'm playing on the outside. Yeah. The ring. So now, um, is that because all of the impact is absorbed by the player when you are on center or open ice? Like, what is the physical difference that makes, uh, is, is it, uh, just from a physics standpoint, give me the physics difference between the two of them that, that makes the board safer. So in the mid-ice collision, you have two guys coming uh, oftentimes, you know, a lot of times in opposite directions at approximately equal speed. Okay. So that, that makes the relative speed much higher. Whereas against the board, then you have a guy which is already against the board, so he cannot move further, and then one other guy comes and hits him. So ah. the, rel- the relative velocity is less in the second case. So from a physical equation, from a physics equation, it's the relative velocity that is the factor here that's at play. So yes. in the open ice, the relative lo- velocity is higher, so the hit is more devastating. Against the board, no matter what you do, the mm-hmm. relative velocity will be lower, and so uh, the, the hit is not as, as, as uh, devastating. Yep, you got it. Wow. So when when we talk to NFL guys, particularly linemen, they always talk about the low guy wins when they're tackling, when they're hitting at the line of scrimmage. Do we have a similar scenario in hockey where the guy with the lower center of gravity can make a more devastating hit on maybe a bigger guy? Yes, um, yes. Uh, although there's not that big of a difference in height uh, between players, mm-hmm. oftentimes, so it wouldn't. There, there's quite a bit difference in size. But um, what will what will happen sometimes? One guy will crouch over, 
Okay, so go, uh -huh. go lower, and that that's uh, very dangerous because the other guy will get uh, you know absorb all the impact on his hips or his legs, and that's quite dangerous. Yeah, and you've seen that where guys get low bridge and you see them go flying; they just take yeah. flight. You know, um, let's kind of switch gears now and and go from um, the end of uh, uh, of of this thing, which is the collision, to how it starts, which is the skating. Give us just um, an elementary breakdown. Of the physics of skating, what what yeah. is happening when someone is skating? Well, it's uh, it's, it's it's a little bit complicated, but uh, one could say that the main difference between skating and running is that uh, during skating, your foot is not going at the speed uh, as, as the ice is going under yourself. You. Whereas running, you have to move your feet as fast as you're running, but in skating, because you're pushing sideways like this. The side motion of the skate is much slower than the actual speed of the player. So that's how they propel themselves. They will put their, their blades slightly uh, uh, open like this and mm -hmm. then start pushing side to side, exerting force, uh, propelling themselves uh, forward. Um, so it they have takes, to push uh, back to go forwards? They have to push back to go forwards, okay. yes. Yeah, they have to. Um, now... Um, you can attain much higher speeds because you have low friction. It's, it's very slippery. And because of that uh, fact that you don't have to move your feet as fast as you're running, that, that's, uh, that's the main um, difference here. But um, it takes a certain technique because um, if you want to accelerate fast, then you have to bend your knee, you have to, to get low in order to be uh, lower your center of gravity in order to propel yourself faster. Sometimes you see kids, uh, they try to go fast, but they're staying up, uh, straight up like mm -hmm. this, and that's right. very difficult to, uh, to accelerate. Can you skate as quick backwards as you can forwards? And if not, why not? Oh, very good question. Um, no, you can't. Uh, right. You can skate quite fast, uh, but you can never... Uh, it's just the way the leg is designed. It's designed to move a certain way. Uh -huh. So the, the knee bends uh, you know, forward. Uh, if it was the other way around, I assume that we could... Uh, skate backward as fast but uh, no I mean it's not a symmetrical situation where if you turn around you cannot exert the same power as if you're um, you're skating forward okay, okay so thank you for breaking down the the physics in skating without the ice itself this is a particularly different game a little tough a little tough to do this in a pool of water you, yes. <laughs> thank you uh, <laughs> You're in Canada, and they tell me that you are blessed with the best ice. Why? How? Please explain. I'm not sure that's true necessarily. I think... Um, well, let me put it to you this way. Uh, you know, gr growing up in Canada, I know, a guy, I know a guy, he now lives in Vermont, but he skates on ponds, and he played hockey growing up, skating outdoors on wow. a solidly frozen pond. And uh, when you look at the ice inside of a stadium, uh, I'm trying to figure out how they keep this ice so hard with the body heat of 20,000 people. Mm. It's indoors uh, and sometimes it's summertime. So like, is there a difference in fast and slow ice, ice that is so frozen solid, so hard like that of the ice that's three 
three and a half feet thick on a pond and the ice in, a, in an arena, which is only a few inches thick. So is there a difference between fast and slow ice? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's true that you want to keep the ice at a temperature of around, say, minus 7 to minus 10 degrees Celsius. So that would be around the 20s, I guess, in, in Celsius. Mm. Uh, if it gets too warm, close to the melting temperature, it gets soft. And then when you're you're skating on it, you're digging deep into the ice, and that slows the skate. Um, if it's too cold, then the friction coefficient uh, is not as good. It's not as slippery when it's really, really cold. Okay. But, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, so they want to keep it at a certain temperature. And it's absolutely true that it's difficult to do that in the stadium outside. I, I remember there was a, a game in Pittsburgh outside. Uh, penguins and I forgot the other team but uh, it was a challenge because it was rainy on top of that and the rain falls on the ice and makes kind of like it makes it slushy Mm. and uh, it's very difficult to get good ice uh, outdoor at any condition the the indoor ice usually is much better ah am I right Ella um, in there being conflicting theories of how you're able to skate across the surface of the ice, one being pressure, the other being vibrating molecules on the surface. Is one theory going to be debunked or is it a case of maybe it's the two together? Yeah, it turns out that ice uh, itself, if you look at it with microscopes, very powerful microscopes, uh, and you look at actual water molecules, they're actually uh, on the top surface, they're very uh, mobile. So it's almost like a semi-liquid type thing. It's Ice is by itself wet. You don't have the surface of it is is wet, even if it's microscopically um, uh, thick. It's very very thin, but uh, it, it, it's there, and that's what makes ice slippery. It's a very unique material because we don't know uh, very many other solids that are as slippery as ice. Uh, and but because of that, we have uh, you know winter sports. Without that, winter sports would be uh, not possible. Am I right in saying the molecules vibrate vertically rather than horizontally? Because if they were horizontal, it would just be a liquid surface? No, they vibrate in all directions. Uh, it's just that they're not attached. The, the molecules that are under the ice uh-huh. are, have, have neighbors everywhere and they're linked. They have uh, bonds, you know, they're, right. they're held, held into place. Whereas the ones at the top... They don't have anything upstairs, so they're kind of dangling there. And Sounds that's like what me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, Alan, thank you for, for putting me right on that one because there's, you know, there's a lot of sort of written evidence about molecules vibrating, but right. we have a definitive explanation there from a well, professor. Who knew they were actually vibrating? Yeah. This is, uh, yes, this is good news. Absolutely. I don't know why. I'm not <laughs> sure why that's good news, but it is. <laughs> So, okay, so they indeed are vibrating. Yes. Which is cool. But that brings us to the second, um, not theory, but uh, postulate, which uh, we heard from our own Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson about how the blade on the actual ice surface creates a pressure that causes a molecular change in the ice to... Uh, an actual extremely thin layer of water Mm. that causes the skate to then glide on a sheet of water, which immediately refreezes once the skate has passed over it. Is that also true? 
Yes. So what you're referring to is what's called pressure melting of ice. Okay. Um, there's actually right. a very neat experiment you can do. You take a long blot of, of ice and then you attach a uh, copper wire around it and you suspend two masses. And the weight of the masses will uh, make the wire cut into the ice because it's melting right under the wire, okay. turns into water. And then right on top, it becomes ice again. So the, the wire will just cut through the ice and will fall down and the ice will be intact. We'll and st and the ice will still be a block of ice. Yes. Okay. So yes, this happens under skate as well. So if you're looking at the sharp edges of the blade, you have a very, very small area and a lot of force applied. So you can meld the ice and that's probably playing a factor as well, except that it cannot explain why say a puck, which is, has a, a big area under and it mm. is very light can also um, um, slide on the ice fairly easily with, with exactly the same, almost exactly the same friction coefficient. Ah. And that explains it. So ice itself is slippery, but you can help it by, yeah, liquefying some of uh, a layer of, of water on top. That will help lubricating the surface. But without it, even with low pressure, something can slide easily on the ice. Ah, oh, there you have it. So uh, we have a both, both and. Yeah, both. Yes. So we have a both and, not an either or. Yeah. Yes. Oh, this is awesome. We are solving the problems of the world right here, okay? That's all I'm saying. This is wonderful. Professor, with your experience as a player, with your knowledge as an expert in the field of physics, can you see hockey embracing science to take itself even further forward as a sport? I think it's um, under a lot of help by the industry. There's technological improvements every um, you know every year. There they come up with new products. Uh, more we were talking about collision before. Well, mm -hmm. there's better equipment, uh, new materials that can use as paddings, new types of uh, materials for skate blades, new design in the boots, new sticks, etc. So I think there is a lot of uh, improvement in the sport uh, by um, companies that provide uh, equipment. There's also uh, improvements in the way they measure uh, um, hockey players. Um, you know, they, they acquire a lot of data now, just uh, their position on the ice, mm. uh, how fast they go. Maybe they get tired, they slow down a little bit and then they analyze th those data. But those are things teams will do, like uh, professional teams, they'll do that to uh, try to uh, optimize their, their team as, as best as they can. Awesome. Wow, man. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. This has been, uh, this has been absolutely fascinating and quite, quite a little education. It's been revelational. Professor fun. Alan Hache, thank you so much for your time. been a pleasure to have you on our show. Please, listeners, go and check out the professor's books, Slapshot Science and the Physics of Hockey. If you've enjoyed listening to him, I'm sure you'll be interested and thrilled reading his work. We will take a break. And just as the professor touched on before, interesting technological developments in the equipment. And who better to tell us about it but Craig Desjardins at Bauer Hockey to discuss all of that next on Playing With Science. Do not go away. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. 
Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Welcome back. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this is Playing with, with Science. Yes, you know that because you're so tuned in and you're here from the beginning. And today, as you know, we are exploring the world of hockey, a.k.a. Physics, physics on, on ice. ice. Not to be concerned, uh, not to be confused with Disney on ice, no. which is not nearly as good. No, not no. at all. No. And now joining us by video call to break down all the technology that goes into skate the dine. And if you just think it's a boot with a blade, oh, you're so wrong. Stick around, you. Craig the Dine. And the vice president of product of Bauer Hockey will tell you otherwise. Craig, good to have you back on show two, my friend. Thanks Welcome. for coming back, man. We're excited. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah, man. As we did in show one with the the hockey stick, a little bit of history, because what Bauer the originator of the first sort of complete riveted blade boot lace-up scenario way back in the 30s, around about the time I was born before you say it. (laughs) Exactly. You know, just taking what essentially was a boot and something as novel as attaching a a steel blade so they could skate across the frozen pond or to get where they were going and Mm -hmm. sort of morphed into – you know, we're very fortunate to have about 78% of NHL players in Bauer skates, which yeah. uh, is very exciting. That's good. Yeah, and, and it's true. I mean, when you go to a sporting goods store, even when you you know, you look at the skates, you mm. guys are still, you're still there too. Like how, how much, I mean, you don't have to tell us this because m- maybe this is, it doesn't make a difference, but how much market share do you guys have? <laughs> like per- 90%? Yeah. What do you guys like? Are you really up there? Like, are you like about 90 something percent of the market, Bauer skates? I don't mean all it, equipment. I mean, just skates. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not quite that high, but it's uh, it's relatively high. I know it is, man. All right. For those of you who can't see Craig's face, yeah, it has got a grin. Yeah, he's the size <laughs> of. It's like a Cheshire cat grin. Like yeah, you know, the rest sure. of them disappeared. The smile stayed see, there. That, but he's not. There's no arrogance. No, no arrogance. Just, you know what? We're really pleased that we have this slice of the market. So you've gone through the perforated chassis phase. Am I right? And now you're on to oven baked heat-molded skates with carbon fiber. Am I right? Because that's that's something I could never have imagined was happening. Well, you know, before you even get into that, just give us a breakdown of, like, the history of a skate. Hockey has gotten so much faster. 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm not going to profess to be like the biggest hockey fan, but I have always been a fan. Uh, I am a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Thank you very much. Um, uh, yes. A, a we team. won't hold it against you. I know. I know you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. You know, but <laughs> so but we are a team that is steeped in the tradition of hockey. Okay. A lot a lot of history there. My Broad Street bullies going all the way back there. Uh, the orange and black forever. But anyway, uh, when you look at these. Uh, older clips, and you look at hockey from back in the day, uh, these guys are not moving nearly as fast as they are right now. Is that because of skate technology advancements? And if so, can you give us kind of a breakdown as to what has happened to skates and why hockey has become so much faster? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think um, I think Definitely part of it is the athlete and how they train, because I think it's Ooh. that portion of the game is significantly evolved. But from an equipment standpoint, you know, we came out with the Vapor 8 skate in 1997, which was a game changer, because prior to that, every skate on the market was uh, traditionally a black synthetic leather, mm-hmm. very traditional uh, were all made similar. And the Vapor 8 skate was a one piece quarter it was, you know, roughly 20% lighter than any skate that players had seen out there. Mm. And instead of having that traditional uh, lacing profile, it was more aggressive. So players could really not only uh, flex forward more easily, but they had a better feel for the ice because there was less interference between their foot and the, and the blade. How much do players talk to you about the transmission between the ice and their own foot inside the boot. So do they talk about that? Is that, is that, as you say, so vital to them to be able to feel intimately what's going on beneath them? Which is funny because you hear that from, uh, like, race car drivers yeah. about their tires, how the tires give the road a certain feeling. Is that the case, what Gary just said, about the ice and the blade and the skate? That's actually a great analogy because you wouldn't want to put, uh, you know, uh, you know, Formula One tires on a, on a Pinto. So, Absolutely. you know, you're talking about these elite level athletes and, yeah. and sometimes it's hard to articulate what they're, what they're feeling. But I think any time that, you know, when they take those first three steps, they're crisper, they feel like the energy transfers is pure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're el- eliminating the slop that comes from uh, a skate that is either loose fitting or too bulky then players not only feel more responsive, they also feel more agile because as they're crossing over or running into those quick stop and goes, their 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 ability to move their feet and articulate their ankles quicker is, is also part of the benefit. So how have you managed to eliminate that slack within the boot itself? Well, uh, you know, especially in our, our, our high-end skates, we use a um, manufacturing process that's called 3D compression molding. So if you look at the skate, uh, from the rear, it actually mirrors, you know, the, the, the actual shape of your foot. So the ankle okay. bones and the articulation of the heel and the beauty of the, the, of the curved composite materials that we use is you can take that whole skate, put it in a skate oven, uh, heat it up in a, in about three minutes and you can further shape, uh, that material around um, whether it's a bone spur or any specific nuances of someone's foot, so they have that purely customized fit. It's a bespoke wow. boot for the elite players. Exactly. They must love you. 
That's, <laughs> I mean, we're talking Cinderella. This is, a, this is absolutely fabulous. I don't know any other elite sports where that attention to detail for, a fo- for footwear actually takes place. Well, you know, let's take it one step further. So an often overlooked element is is the blade. So what's below the boot of the skate? Yeah. Um, and we came out with a technology a couple of years ago called Lightspeed Edge. And what you can essentially do is there's a little trigger and you pull the trigger on the blade and you can remove the steel. And what we're seeing is because every Whoa. player, much like the blade of a stick, has preferences on their sharpening hollow yeah. um, uh, or whatever rocker, they can essentially go to the bench, uh, pull the trigger, remove the steel, and put in a new one. And so, there's players so who what, have what you two ha- to three sets of game. What you have done is kind of like in the NFL – um, and I'm sure any, any real football fans will know this, and and probably on any other sports where they use cleats, you can change your cleats now. You know, you you uh, if the if the field is sloppy, then you can change your cleats and you put in a, a longer, deeper cleat. If the field is dry and kind of dirt like, you want to put in a, a shorter cleat, and uh, so so that you can uh, get a uh, a better feel for the for the ground under your feet. So you can do that same thing for the player uh, with the blade. Well, you can do it on ice conditions, and there's also the dynamic in hockey where a player will go crashing into the net or into the boards uh, or or unfortunately break their steel and mm-hmm. lose an edge. Yeah. So so it's it's the combination of both, and we're trying to cover for all those factors. So it's a, it's a great advantage for those players who, you know, if they're not scoring a goal and they need to change something up, that's an option. Or if they lose an edge during the game, they're not wasting – you know, five minutes or a couple shifts, they can change it. You know, in twenty seconds. And is when you say when you say lose an edge, it's that sharpness on the blade itself, right? Exactly. And, now and most... ha- that's how in tune a player is that he will know the edge has gone on his blade. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't skate, so I'm clueless. That's... But that's how that that you talk about the transition. Of, of knowledge between the ice and the, the, the player, it's it's so interesting. That's insane, that yeah. the fact that you will know, like, wow, my skates aren't, I've, I've lost, my skates are dulling up. I got I to gotta get a better edge on my skate. That's pretty wild. Yeah, and I think in its purest sense, what we're trying to do is is create the sensation of having your, your bare foot with a, a blade attached to the bottom of it. Wow. And if we can create that sensation on the ice and, and have that sort of energy transfer happening, then, then that's an advantage for the player. Let me, let me ask you one last question about the uh, anatomy or the uh, design of a blade itself. Um, so I've seen that the blade is actually not a flat metal surface. It's a little curved, hollowed surface. Yeah. Can you tell me why is that? Why is, that, why is it shaped like that? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of curved uh, in both ways. So you have a hollow so that because you skate on both your inside and your outside edge. I got you. So All it's right. like having two blades on one blade. Yeah, it's almost like you can imagine skiing turning mm-hmm. left and left right. And it's right. a similar phenomenon. So depending on your skating style, some people – it's almost like a ballroom dancer. You have – whether you're big or small, some people are uh, quick on their feet mm-hmm. uh, and move more fluidly and, and some don't. So you can really fine-tune that based on skating style. What next? You've, you've advanced the sport so far with the equipment. What next without giving away every one of your secrets? Well, I, you know what? I think there's a couple things. I think we're really taking a closer look at 
uh, how do we take customization of equipment to the next level? Because we are seeing not only uh, advantages by reducing their weight, Mm -hmm. um, but we're also looking at, because hockey is a game of agility. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like speed skating, which is more like NASCAR. We're more like Formula One, where the, there's these quick accelerations, yeah. change in direction. Uh, so the ability to fine-tune that equipment. I think the other aspect is technology and how technology is integrating with equipment. So uh, you know, players are looking for feedback not only on their biometrics, mm-hmm. heart, heart rate, uh, pulse, uh, sweat, things like that, but also if you could know – either as a training tool or, or on ice, how fast you're skating, your location. So is your positioning sound if you're a left winger versus a right winger. Right. So I think we're actively looking at how technology can be infused in equipment to give players not only an advantage performance-wise, but also the, to help them become better players. Wow. So uh, let's switch gears for a quick second uh, when you talk about helping players. Mm. I am still just uh, flabbergasted by the fact that the hits in hockey are just so devastatingly difficult to watch. I mean, these guys flying across the ice, sometimes at 30-something miles an hour, wham, hitting one another. Um, The collisions many times are far greater than what they are in football. And, and, you know, football has some of the most spectacular collisions that you will find. What do you guys see in terms of helping players uh, protect their noggin when it comes to, you know, taking those kinds of hits? Uh, So I think there's kind of there's two exciting things that we have in the works. I think one, uh, you know, if you look uh, inside a helmet uh, compared to, you know, a helmet, six or seven years ago, they've changed dramatically because what we're seeing in the game is you have these low energy impacts, sort of a player getting bumped. You have high energy impacts, which are sort of the bigger hits and collisions. And then you have sort of rotational impacts, which are an element of a lot of different types of hits. So Mm. when we're looking at technologies and helmets, whether it's a suspension system, uh, there's multiple different layers that are, that are sort of made to absorb and dissipate the energy from and manage all those different types of impacts. So that's, that's one where we're able to simulate, you know, rotational hits and all those different types of impacts in our, in our lab and recreate exactly what's going on on ice. I think the second part to that is, you know, we're coming out with a technology this year in in the Canadian market called NeuroShield, which is essentially a collar that players can wear around their neck. Mm-hmm. Sweet. And, and what it's doing is, is actually simulating, um, if you can imagine what a, a woodpecker does and how many times a woodpecker hits a tree and you got to wonder how yeah. there's no sort of head injury related to the amount of force it's applying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being able to uh, essentially maintain a slightly higher blood volume around your brain Oh, okay. Uh, no, no different than, uh, um, wow. Uh, than when you're, you're, you know, you're coughing or you get up in the morning and there's <clears throat> more, more blood flow. Yeah. And what that does is act as almost like a, a bubble. Yeah. Wrap, you're, you're, cushion, your you're cushioning from the, from the inside of the head itself. 
Exactly. So That's we're insane. At, no, we're it's looking at technologies that can protect well, from the outside and and, and from the inside. inside. Well, when I say insane, yeah, I no, mean no, like, I get the way yeah, you meant it. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, that I, is that's that's awesome. I mean, that is something that can actually span all sports where where head injuries can be a problem, right? That's exactly it. Game changer. That is a game changer. Yeah, sir, we applaud you. Anything that can protect an athlete, particularly in a collision sport like hockey, yeah, absolutely, to you and your your technical and engineers and all the little science bunnies you have yeah, there. Yeah, good luck with that one. Fabulous. Yeah, I'm, I, I, let me tell you something. I'm going to keep an eye on that because the moment you guys break through on that, I got to I gotta buy some Bauer stock. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, once again, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you for allowing us insight into what you do with your company. And we wish you all the very best. And we hope to have you back in the future. Gentlemen, it's, it's been a blast. Thank you very well, much. Well, very kind of you to say. Thank you so much. Wow. What we learned. Yeah, man, that's some great stuff right there. I am, uh, okay. I am super excited. Another break. Um, when we come back, we will have a defenseman, Ashley Johnston, from the New York Riveters, captain, as well as being a mechanical engineer, sports mm-hmm. and science, combined in one person. Stick around. We'll be back shortly. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Welcome back. I'm Gary O'Reilly. And I'm Chuck Nice. And this, of course, is Playing Playing With with Science. Science. And today we've been exploring the science of skating and collisions in the fast and furious world of ice hockey. Did you like that? That was my... uh, I did. That was my uh, shushing of the ice. Elegant. That's okay. Yeah. Enough of that. Happy? Yeah, I was happy. Cool. I, I had to do it. As long as he's happy. Joining <laughs> us now by video call is Ashley Johnson, captain of the New York Riveters. Yes. Ashley, welcome to the show. Absolutely yeah. fabulous because you're not just a hockey player. You are a mechanical engineer. And if Bill Nye was here, he would be in the not worthy position. He would absolutely adore you. So welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be on. Yeah, it's very cool. Let me ask you, uh, you know, first of all, such a wonderful um, marriage of science and sport. Uh, How did you get into hockey? Because, uh, you know, uh, it's a strange sport as far as I'm concerned for uh, a young girl to say, you know what, I'm going to play hockey, Uh, unless you're Canadian. You know, so I, I am Canadian. Oh, so yeah. okay. Well, there you have it. That's okay. an so I was basically born with skates on. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. Looking at both sides of you, did you bring any of your mechanical engineering thinking to your game? Uh, yeah, I definitely. I played a lot more of a strategic game. I'd say uh, mm-hmm. so. 
you know, simple things like I love using the boards to make a pass um, because things like, you know, the angle that you pass the puck into the boards is the same angle that's essentially going to come out at. Uh, Things like that. Nice. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So that's definitely a big one, Um, as well as just simple strategic plays, like set plays. I I love things like that. Um, They just really work out well. It's like one big game of risk. All right. Cool. So um, when you when you look at uh, your background in robotics, which, you know, before I actually say that, before I actually say that, we should let people know Mm. that you lead a robotics team as well as leading uh, the New York Riveters. Uh, You are also leading a robotics team. And uh, I believe while you were in school, you developed a prosthetic that actually grows with a child who has lost a limb. Am I correct there? Is that, is that the right way I'm saying it right? Yep. That's uh, that's all correct. So at my, uh, at my work, which is a company called a uh, PVA, I lead a uh, industrial slash manufacturing engineering team here. So we basically do a lot of work on the assembly line, how the robots uh, go together. And then while I was in college, I developed an adjustable prosthetic prototype. Um, so with the idea being that as children grow, um, the prosthetic would fit the stump a lot better because it would be adjustable in essentially every asset. And, and, uh, and before your invention, uh, your innovation, children basically had to buy a new prosthetic every few years as they grew, right? Yes, that's correct. So think of it like a shoe. Uh, essentially, you don't have the same shoe size for your entire life. As you're growing, you're continually having to buy new shoes, except for prosthetics are exceptionally more expensive than shoes on top of that you're spending money for something that doesn't really totally fit you it's kind of like a like wearing shoes that are half a size too big or half a size too small just because of how much the stump swells throughout the course of a day so let me ask interesting if you think about a teenager the growth spurts that you can go through in, in the short space of time you know could be weeks and a month and there you are, you're back down there buying a new one. That, yeah. must, that really must, you, that families must love you. There are you. families that just love you. Yeah, for sure. Do, do families just stop you in the airport like, yo, we love you? Like, that's got to happen. Yeah. That's fantastic. No, no, no that's not. It's still, a, it's still a prototype, so it's still something that has a long way to go before it comes a commercial product. Well, I saw it, and I think it's I think it's an ingenious design, and I just love the way uh, what 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 Ashley did for those. Since I, I don't want to talk about it without explaining it, though, and I hope I'm explaining it correctly. But you use like a bladder that it can be inflated the same way like you pump up a shoe. No, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, there's an adjustable strap around that, and then the same way that you um, if you think of the crutches that have the little pin in them that allow for different heights on a pair of crutches. You've done that with the stem of the prosthetic for like a leg. And so the, the person can, the, it, it can literally grow with that person. I think it's ingenious. I, 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 I applaud you. I, I, I have to say, um, prototype or not, it, I, I, I have a feeling it's going to work and you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. Thank you very much. So let me ask you with this, when it comes to the innovation that you find in putting together something like this and leading a team of robotics, are there any parallels that you can draw uh, to being the captain of a professional hockey team? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, science, leadership, uh, it's everywhere. Um, so when you're 
leading a team uh, in an in industry or leading a team on the ice, it's essentially going to be the same thing, kind of focusing a group of people towards one common goal, whether that common goal is, um, you know, building a robot, building a prosthetic, winning a championship. It's really just uniting everyone and kind of trying to bring out the best of everybody so that you uh, all fit together as one, one big puzzle and um, can cohesively achieve your goal. So at the moment, you've got a couple of big games on the horizon. Have you got a semi-final of a playoff? And is it the Isabel Cup that you're That's in? That's correct. So uh, your leadership skills can't be doubted then, Chuck, can yeah. they? No. By the way, Isabel Cup's so much better of a name than Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Do you ever think they were married? <laughs> <laughs> Isabel and Stanley. Anyway... I'll ask you what you think your chances are, but that's kind of a, a leading question and you might not want to answer it, so I'll understand. Uh, so, well, I'm going to knock on wood, but I, I think we have a good chance. Um, you know, over one of the things we've been talking about is throughout the season, really peaking at the end of the year. Um, so peaking during the championship season. So we're playing our best hockey at the right time. Sweet. And I think trajectory has definitely been uh, right on that course. All right. Let me ask you about uh, when I look at uh, your physical um, play. Uh, you know, you're you're somewhat taller than most women. Period. A uh, little bit taller than uh, many of uh, those on the ice with you. Uh, is that an advantage in hockey or a disadvantage? Uh, and and how do you use it or overcome it, depending upon what it is? Yeah, for sure. So most people see me, so I'm six feet tall. Um, and the first question that they have is, oh, you play basketball or, or yeah. first Um mm. So I kind of missed the boat on that one. Uh, I'm actually awful at basketball. But uh, for hockey, it has its benefits just in the sense that my stick is a lot longer than most other players. Okay. Um, so with that, my reach and my poke check can kind of overcompensate for the faster, smaller um smaller females who are skating around obviously having uh, uh, very strong quads and a lower center of gravity is really beneficial in hockey um, but I kind of get to have the upper end in the sense of that for the couple steps that somebody might have on me I gain it back by having a foot longer stick um, so that's mm. definitely one of the big ways that's helped me is there any other ways that you've, because of your physique, adapted yourself to the game of hockey and found a way, because you obviously are quite a good sinker, found a way to exploit that as an asset outside of the length of the stick? Yeah, for sure. So also like body positioning, um, just because I am bigger, uh, if I have proper body positioning, I can typically um, really use my strength, my side to um, overpower uh, a smaller player um, that's definitely been a huge one and then also just uh, again the mental side of the game so if I know where the puck's going to be uh, before somebody else does then I can get there I get a head start right. uh, so whenever you have a head start you have a much higher chance of uh, winning and also at the same time uh, you can almost say using a little bit of probability in there and understanding that if somebody's momentum is so much and if they're going so fast then the chances of them getting there first, okay, well, maybe I should go over here instead. 
So that's the science that, thinking. That's the science that's thinking, the science thinking right, there. Yeah. The, the, the probability, the working out of the vectoring of where, when, no, I need to be here, pop, right place, right time. Nice. So let me ask you, because you're known as, and uh, I have uh, done a little bit of reading, and it's been said several times in anything that's written about you, shut down defenseman. I'm going to say shut down defense person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is necessary to be a shutdown defense person in the game of hockey? Uh, so I think exactly what I was talking about before, basically the calculation of knowing where people are going to be beforehand okay. is huge um, because then if you're able to meet them sooner and take away the time and space, if a player has a lot of time and space, they have a lot more time to think, and then that typically will result in them um, producing a better play than they would have if they had to make it rush. So same thing, if you're doing a math problem and you have all the time in the world, you're probably going to get more likely to go to the right answer than if you have a 30-second countdown clock. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so that that's a huge component of Ashley it. Ashley is out thinking her opponents, Chuck. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You know what I love is the fact that the, the, way, the way that uh, you said that uh, is very humble. That's you know, it. Very humble. It's not like, because no, the no, no. real answer is, oh, I'm smarter than you. That's, <laughs> see, here's the real deal. I'm smarter than you. No, I'm, no, no. I'm out thinking you on the ice. That's what I'm doing. That's not Ashley. That's just, that. that's the whole personality. All right, let's, let's flip it outside of you and we'll turn it two ways here. What technical advantages of uh, advances have you seen in hockey since you started to play? And what sort of technical scientific advances would you like to see come to your sport? Uh, so definitely one of the biggest ones has been the sticks. Uh, right. This have been absolutely, so now they're kind of a, um, they, so originally you had the wood, uh, like a, your typical wood stick. Now it's a lot more of the uh, fiberglass. Actually, some of them even have Kevlar weaved inside of them, some mm. of the bower sticks. Uh, so from that composite, you're basically getting the best of both worlds where it's, uh, structurally sound enough to be a pot, or sorry to be a stick and, and not fall apart on you, but you mm. still, when you have your force going down, can get that flex, um, and that flex what makes your, makes your shot a lot more powerful. And additionally, one of the things that has been worked on a lot is the feel of the puck. So not only are you getting that um, again that that flex factor, but yep. also as soon as the puck's on your stick, but you can literally feel it all the way up the shaft to your hands. What's your preference, uh, mid or low flex point? I like the low flex point uh, just because I find it's a little bit more, a little bit better for how I shoot. Um, uh -huh. Just because I'm taller and I typically don't bend my knees as much. Yeah. Uh, having that uh, that that little extra bit at the end of the stick really helps me helps the whip factor. So when your blade's coming through. Have you got Sweet. your hands on those new Bauer skates that are heat molded and have the carbon fiber little trigger blade things? Have you got your hands on those yet? Yes. So I have a pair of those. <laughs> Absolutely. I love them. I, I think that they're they're amazing, especially the heat molding factor of it. Yeah. Um, really does like wrap around your foot. So it feels... Uh, so how feels do you feel now wearing a boot like that and being able to feel exactly what's beneath your foot or feet. Uh, I, it's, I mean, so if you think about it, you're skiing around on like a, you know, a couple millimeter thick blade on ice. Mm. Uh, it, so it's incredible to be able to have that sort of agility that that boot allows you to have, as well as just, uh, 
even the science behind the metal on it that you're melting the ice while you're skating um and that's how you're really you're truly moving is a a pretty cool factor if you if you want a hard skate you feel your blade afterwards you can actually feel a little heat coming off of it sweet Nice. Well, you know what? You are, uh, I, I can't tell you just uh, how impressive you are just yeah. all across the board, uh, being um, somebody who is uh, a leader in um, mechanical engineering, mm-hmm. a leader in sports, a person who is an innovator. Uh, you're just impressive all the way around. You should be very, very proud of yourself. I want to go and kiss your parents and tell them uh, that you know they've done a fantastic job. And you know, I want you to you're call in love mode. I, aren't you? I am, and I want you to call my daughter and 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 let her know that uh, you know everything that she wants in this world is possible. Uh, and we're we're just so happy that you came on the show. Thanks so much. Ashley, you're an inspiration, and we wish you and your team the very best of luck in your future games. And uh, you're elite in both the field of science and sport, and that's exactly what playing in science is all about. So thank you so much for being on the show. It's been fabulous. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This was great, um, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So thank you very much. Pleasure's ours. All you're right. Welcome. Thank you. So, Chuck. Yes. Physics. That's our show, yes. Physics. On ice. On ice. Alan Hache opened our minds to everything that goes in with Slapshot, what we can find out, physics and science on the ice. Then Craig Desjardins lets us inside the secrets that go into Bauer product. Right. And then we have an inspiration of a player, a leader from the New York Riveters. Right. You know, I think great overall show. it was a great show. That's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I'm Gary O'Reilly. I'm Chuck Nice. And this has been Playing With Science. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.